Are you an Aussie expat or thinking about moving to Australia in the future? Well, buckle up. I've got some things you might want to know coming up in today's show. I'm Tom Putris, your host for today's Expat Investor Podcast. And after a quick market update, I'll be joined by Ryan Donaldson. So let's just have a quick look at the last seven days and what's been going on in the news. I think the big thing that's hit headlines is really First Republic Bank in the US. After Silicon Valley Bank earlier in March collapsing, we've seen the downfall of First Republic. Thankfully, this time, the FDIC uh, and the US government have not had to step in and ultimately they've managed to come up with a buyer in the way of JP Morgan. Um, So more banking controversy continues in the US. It doesn't seem to be uh, happening in too many other places. Uh, Let's see what happens with JP Morgan and what they'll decide to do with First Republic in the future. A few other bits of things to consider. I think We've had earnings seasons in the last week. Um, Earnings season in the US, big companies reporting their earnings, their profits, their losses. Uh, It's been an interesting one and it's no surprise. And I said this earlier in the the year with Jabir and at the end of our quarter uh, one update, you know, it's been a relatively good year for markets so far. Um, The S&P up, Europe up, Asia up on the whole. Um, what was interesting, and we were talking in the office this week, was that I think the majority, if not all, of the gains in the S&P this year have been made by about seven or eight companies, and the rest have all posted losses. So the S&P relatively skewed, again, relatively skewed toward technology, FANGs, Facebooks, Apples, Amazons, Microsofts, um, posting some good numbers again last week. But one thing that did catch my eye was travel. Uh, A couple of bits and pieces out of travel. Travel seems to be booming. I don't know if anybody's traveled recently. If if you're a listener and you've been on a plane recently, I'm I'm, I'm keen to learn. Was the the plane full? Um, I I only say this. My my mum traveled up to see me last week uh, here in the UAE from the UK, bless her. And I was looking at her flight on the way out, trying to find her the right seat. It was full. Not a seat to be spared. Again, on the way home, not a seat to be spared. And today, um, I, I read that Emirates have planned on on more jet orders uh, for long-haul travel as they believe it's just continuing to, to rebound and rebound. Qatar Airways also seeing a robust travel demand uh, and a big capacity squeeze. Um, it's no shock that I think a couple of weeks ago we also heard that Saudi Arabia launching again another big fleet of, uh, of, of planes for, for their airline that they're developing and building out in Saudi Arabia and, and, and well done to Boeing for winning that contract. Um, and again, so this travel in airlines is, 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 seems to be booming right now. So people are, people are traveling, people are moving, people are going around the world. Is travel back? Is it as back as, as it was before? Um, well, Marriott seemed to think so. They, they beat their estimates uh, for this quarter's uh, earnings and, 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 and they say travel is booming. So there, there seems to be some uncertainty around it, but places places are full right now which is good to see and i'm glad to see that travel is back because it is such a big part of everyone's uh, of everyone's life and, and we all do 
love a holiday. So last seven days has been a busy one. Um, lots going on, certainly, like I said, with the with earning season. Uh, and like I said, guys, please make sure that you do give the podcast a follow if you're following us on, on, on Apple Music or Spotify. Hit that follow so you don't miss any of our latest episodes. And also head over to our socials, LinkedIn and Instagram, just to stay up to date with all of our, our latest news. So at this point, I'm excited to introduce Ryan. Ryan, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Tom. Nice to be here. Yeah, good to see you, buddy. First of all, congratulations on becoming a father this year. How's the energy levels oh, today? Thanks. Yeah, um, energy levels are pretty good. Pretty good. Sitting yeah. in neutral, I think, at the moment. Um, I've had a few, a few sleepless nights over the last few weeks, but um, it's all part of it. But the journey's beautiful, Tom. I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Good, good. Um, look, in the, in the next couple of weeks, we've got a special episode on the podcast featuring a number of our planners who have all left the UK and ventured overseas um, to try and discover a brighter future. And we'll be hearing some of those stories, the good, the bad and the ugly. So, so keep an eye out for that one. It's not one to be missed. But Ryan, on that note, um, tell me a little bit about your story. When did you join Skybound and, and GDM as we were before? Where did you go? I know you've been on quite a journey yourself when it comes to being a financial planner. I um so it goes back actually to September two thousand and two thousand and fourteen. It will be now, yeah, twenty twenty. God, that's nine years. Okay, nearly, yeah, yeah, nearly a decade, nine, buddy. Nine years. I didn't even think about that. Uh, September two thousand and thirteen, and that's um, you know, I, I actually joined as part of. I, I was in the Glasgow at the, at the time, and I was actually just finished an internship at PwC, and then okay, um, obviously through my current director Pete was introduced mm. to the prospect of starting as a para partner with GWM at that time and um, I took the decision to move to Dubai. Um, someone told me the position was in Dubai but I found out six months into it that I'd be going to, going to Saudi Arabia every second week so <laughs> that was the start of my career. I, I started as um, mainly that kind of para planning pool doing a little bit of BDM yeah. as well and look the one thing that was good actually about being in Saudi Arabia was the fact that we were so so compact it was almost like we're living on each living with each other sleeping and eating and breathing the job you know i felt i was working with some of the best consultants arguably in the industry at that point um you know people like john story peter and, and, and several others yeah. and and I, and I was working with him so intensely and also doing my exams so intensely that i feel as if i feel as if i kind of got a slingshot and i was a bit fast-tracked you know you know that way i feel as if I, when i left saudi arabia and, and dubai kind of two years in yeah, you know, I was level four, actually further on level four qualified, level six, done my PCAM, um, ready to be an advisor, came back to Europe. And, uh, and and yeah, that was it. So I was kind of two years there, moved back to Brussels. We kind of kicked off the Belgium office, which was which was a, a success. You know, we had a very, very good quick start and we kind of expanded into France there. But then we made the decision just based on several kind of economical factors to um, to pretty much make the the European Central Office, Geneva, and then and obviously now, as you know, a kind of London hub. So, ah, it's been it's it's been a fast it's been a fast nine years, Tom. You know, I I could talk about it for hours and hours. I'm conscious of the time, <laughs> but um, I've kind of went from para planning there quickly yeah. to advisors in a couple of years. You know, really really made the most of the advising, seen a lot of Europe, signed clients up through all of Europe, mm. and uh, and obviously now uh, managing Europe mainly from from the London office as yeah. as as, we, as it stands. And what an incredible journey it's been and to take you to where you are today. I know that you've got a fantastic team and a number of uh, financial planners working uh, with you and alongside you. And and, and, and again, para planners and, and, and business development managers that all sit within that remit of yours. So um, to get it all done now and where you sit within within nine years, although it sounds like a long time, it's it's probably gone past uh, pretty quick. 
It has. It has. But yeah. It's beautiful because what I like the most is um, we're using London, as you know, as, as, as an academy. And when you see these these new young people coming in, you know, straight graduates, um, keen to get into the financial industry, keen to build a career, sure. keen to build a book of clients, you know, get them in the mm -hmm. academy programme for 18 months. I just feel, particularly myself and Peter Gologly here, that we've got so much relevance in that journey that um, I, th I feel well positioned to, to, to help them get there and push them through it. Yeah, it's really incredible. I think um, you know I've been a part of academies throughout my journey, and and there's nothing better than educating, training, motivating, and seeing people develop into into the fantastic financial planners that we hear at here have here at Skybound. But um, look, let's get down to why you're on the pod podcast sure. today. Um, I think over the last eighteen months or so, you and your team have helped actually countless Australian expats around the yes. world and across Europe with their financial planning. Um, but this year, there's there's potentially some big tax changes coming this year for for Aussies, Ryan. What does that look like? I think July time, we're well, June, July time. There's some there's potential yeah. big changes coming. Potentially, I think it's unlikely this budget. Um, right. I think you know the, the May budget's actually coming out shortly in the tax year, obviously it's end of June. But I think it's unlikely this year. It's actually probably more likely to be something to push towards next year. But basically, what they're doing, Tom, is it's that they're trying to move the Australian ATO, the Australian Tax Office and the government's trying to move more to a, a ties, ties system with the tax right. structure. So very similar to what happened in the UK. For any listeners that have experienced that change in the UK, it, it's basically going from a, without going into too much detail on each individual facet of it, sure. you're basically moving from a standard, have you been in the country for 183 days, i.e. you are tax resident in Australia, to more of a, okay, well, actually, if you spent more than 45 days in Australia, and if you have, they want to assess where your ties are. They want to look at, you know, where's your family base? Where do you spend most days working? Where are most of your your, your economic ties? And then, and then it forms part of a more of a, a, a less objective and more subjective structure on, on, on where actually are you tax resident? And sure. a lot of people, a lot of people, um, it wasn't intentional, but a lot, a lot of people kind of freak out about this stuff and, and, and they think well, yeah. I, 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 you know I go for a month at summer a month for Christmas and that, that's 60 days and I, I might be in trouble but look it's not designed to to start getting tax off anybody going back for a month or two a year and mm -hmm. um, what these systems are designed you know see it in the UK as well it's it's designed where we, we all meet people kind of in the, the end of the financial timeline who've, who've built, amassed a lot of wealth and mm -hmm. these individuals might have you know, three, four, five holiday homes, and they'll travel between them, and this, you know, get kind of they, they follow the sun and the seasons, etc. Sure. And 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 they might try and pick their residence to be the one with the lowest tax, the tax efficient yeah. area, and, and it's designed to try and catch that. It's designed to try and you know put more, and and understandably so. You know, I think um, it's not as easy to say that people spend 183 days somewhere. It's 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 just about planning for that. And and actually, the interesting thing, Tom, and I, I, forgive me if I answer one of your questions coming no, no. up. Um, the interesting thing is uh, that it actually opens up more scope for planning because okay. Australia is actually a very, very good structure if you're planning to be there at retirement because their drawdown phase is completely tax-free. So if you sure. find that you're, someone's kind of split their time between Europe and Australia, depending on where they're thinking of Europe, arguably mm -hmm. this ties coming to Australia might be more favourable for them because they can they can put more planning around it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, just to kind of recap there. So at the moment, Australia have a very simplistic view of whether you are a tax resident or not, right? It's have you spent... 183 days in our country if so then you're a tax resident for this year and and like we've seen with the uk they're looking to potentially change that to 
almost scale it and then have you know if you've spent lesser time here and you've got more ties here etc like you said in the uk we see this all, all the time um and and you know i think australia is one of those jurisdictions it's funny isn't it because australia is so far away from everything right <laughs> and so when people do go home they do tend to go home for an extended period of time even if it is just to see family say hello recap on everybody see friends and then come back to wherever they may be working in the world so you do get people that are still accumulating wealth spending maybe four or five six weeks like you just said there back in australia but this tax change isn't necessarily designed to catch those people it's more geared towards those people who are trying to buck the system anyway right um but what are the what would you say the implications of becoming i mean this may sound quite obvious but what are the implications of being a tax resident well look um i think just maybe give you a bit of background before i answer this because people sure. are probably wondering why a, a scottish person based in london is talking about australian financial planning right absolutely and, it, and, and, and the funny thing about that is it was pure coincidence that i got into this market um it was a uh, three years ago i i met a, a gentleman called jeff taylor who's um mm. He is managing director of Magenda Financial Planning, also a tax specialist in Sydney. He'd been doing advice for over 30 years, financial planning and tax advice. And I met him at an event in Switzerland, completely offhand. And we're talking about how Australia has an inverted tax system pretty much to every other country around the world. And for me, it was a light bulb moment because, well, for any listeners on the call, in Australia, you've got your, your your accumulation phase when you're building yeah. wealth and you get your drawdown phase when you go into drawdown and to start taking income people call mm. it retirement an accumulation phase in australia everything's taxed on the way up right so your investment vehicles even your super pension is taxed year on year on the way up at a rate of 15 percent or 10 percent tax on the, the the income or the gains yeah now when you go to drawdown in australia which is age 60 everything you take out from your pension your assets is typically tax-free Okay. You compare that to any other system, Tom, you know this as well, any other system, mm. when we talk about UK, Europe, US, everything normally accumulates tax-free, but the drawdown is taxable. The income's taxable. Yeah. The way out. So, yeah. so you've got two systems which are completely inverted. And, and what that causes is there's, there's certain things that are, depending on the DTAs between the country you're in and the vehicle you're using, but there's big things that you definitely shouldn't do to be avoid mm. being taxed twice. And there's certain things that you should be doing to make the most of the accumulation tax free and the drawdown tax free and that's okay. where um look I, I think on the webinars that we've carried out which are all available on youtube i think there's probably about five of them that are available across in different countries right. these are the kind of things we touch on because although it's completely relevant potentially to the changes that are coming up in, in the budget maybe next year 20 2024 now mm. um it's relevant because if you if you think that your ties are going to be towards australia don't panic because yeah. Australia is the only country where the drawdown is completely tax free. So all you yeah. need to make sure is that you're paying into the right vehicles during your time in Europe or consol consolidating your assets into the right vehicles for the eventual repatriation to Australia. And mm -hmm. that's the, that's some of the key planning that listen, I, I didn't intend to be getting up at 5 a.m. and doing meetings at six with people <laughs> in Australia. But that's just the way it's happened. And, it, you know, yeah. you know, we're like we, we, we you know, we, we, we follow the clients and we help the clients for wherever sure. they are. And but that's a bit of background as to how it happened. So if you are on the, the, listening to this and you're worrying about that ties that ties don't, don't, don't panic it's just important that you seek financial advice before before making any decisions yeah and i think the other thing to consider it's funny isn't it i think two things there is you know one we're not tax experts and we'll get on to more the, the financial planning structures etc in a second that uh, that are available for people but um 
I just reference back to, to what you said there. We kind of just follow where the where the path leads us sometimes in terms of how we can help people. And um, and that's very much the same as the conversation I had last week with Chris Bowler. You know, so I, you know, his journey was very much grew up in South Africa, or spent a lot of his life in South Africa growing up and knows the clients out well and has just want to help one, help another, help another, help another kind of scenario. And I think that's probably what's what's happened here with, with yourself, Ryan. But meeting Jeff has obviously been a big part of of that relationship for you moving forwards. How do you how do you and Jeff work together as a team when you're tackling these questions from clients? Yeah. I sure. So what we normally do is um I normally do the introductions with people locally in Europe, Switzerland, to get just given the time. Obviously the time difference helps when it comes sure. to spring time, but when we're looking at kind of that that with, with October to spring, you, you've you've got a really really big difference. It actually, swings two hours based on the way the times move. Um, I'll do the introductions in, in in Europe, Switzerland, or anyone through Europe. If if we understand from the initial discovery meeting or the introduction meeting that it's quite clear that tax planning is a, a, a focus, which is normally people who are at the end of their financial timeline are not really building wealth. They're more looking at restructuring, drawdown, you know, sure. succession planning. If you're at that category where you're thinking about going back within a few years, that's the main focus. Immediately, Jeff then comes on to the second meeting. So mm-hmm. the second meeting Jeff and I will do together, I'll obviously go through the kind of initial conversation with Jeff prior to that, and we'll start to build a financial plan for the client. It's very much a partnership, Tom. So we, we, we you know, we de- we definitely service clients together is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. You know, um, mm-hmm. for anyone that moves back to Australia, I'd be right to say that Jeff is then their kind of primary financial planner because he's doing all their tax returns, their, their investment vehicles. Sure. But there's still obviously vehicles that they leave behind in Europe, which have to be serviced and taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then so we do we tend to do these meetings together as a as a conjunction and we have a professional partnership agreement in place to do that. Yeah. OK. And um, we spoke about that kind of leaving or having investment options and vehicles sort of back in in Europe. I know that um, there is Australian expats have the ability to access certain vehicles whilst they're outside of Australia that they may not have access to in Australia. And you're talking about this whole um, accumulation phase being very different to many other nationalities, right? Um, And then the deaccumulation phase being very different to to other nationalities. Tell me a little bit more. Can can you tell me a little bit more about sure. some of the investment options that Australians do have access to whilst they are uh, expatriates and living abroad? Yes. Look, I think I think the best way to answer this, Tom, is, is is more to talk about what I'd say are the the two key financial vehicles that Australians should be using if they go back. Okay. You know what I mean by that is your people's financial lifetime, building wealth, they, they build up. Quite often, you know, government pensions, employer pensions, private pensions in multiple countries, they mm. build up retail banks, sometimes private banks, life insurance vehicles, investment platforms, they build up property investments. We've not got time to talk about every one, but there's two key vehicles which work extremely well for drawdown and retirement in Australia. And those two vehicles are superannuation pensions, which every Australian on this call will know because it's the standard yeah. Pension pension structure in, in Australia, and your second vehicle is um, a life assured investment vehicle, a life assured investment platform, which often are called um, life bonds or investment bonds. Okay. So the first one is fairly straightforward. Um, mm. Super a superannuation is, is a pension that you'd have to have opened whilst resident in Australia. Right. Okay. So if you don't have one opened for any reason, if you're an Australian citizen who moved before you worked and you sure. don't have one opened, you can't open one until you go back. 
But if you have one there, even if it's kind of fairly redundant or got a working balance, you mm -hmm. could start you could start using it. So even if you're outside of Australia, you can pay back. You can actually pay one hundred and ten thousand Aussie dollars per year into it as a maximum cap. Okay. And you can backdate that for three years missing. So that's three hundred and thirty thousand individuals, six hundred and sixty thousand wow. for a for a married couple. True. The big benefit of the super, particularly for people who are at that age, I, I refer again, kind of fifty-five plus, thinking about retiring in five, ten years, going back to Australia in the short term. It, it's really important to utilise that because you want to stack as much in. Because what that means is that your drawdown, the moment you hit sixty, mm. will be completely tax-free from anything in your super. Yeah. Yeah, and what people that's, don't that's what people don't think about and understand is I meet a lot of individuals who, and by the way, this is dependent on the country where we're talking about. Sure, sure. If they're stacking into like a local a local private pension and because of tax benefits, perhaps in Europe, but they don't realise that the Australian government, the DTA, they don't like those pensions, and because you can withdraw the full thing, they actually want to treat it as a foreign investment vehicle, and you actually end up getting taxed on the pension in Australia. So. It's really important. That's why I say to people, seek advice early because if you think, if you know where you're going, it's really important to understand the vehicles you should be using before you do it. And the good mm -hmm. thing about the super there is that you, you've got a lot of contributions you can add. You are capped. You, you can't pay any more than one point. You can't have one more than 1.7 million Aussie dollars in your super, but you can stock it up and you can mm -hmm. really use that for your early retirement very, very, very well. Uh, or use it for long-term retirement if you if you're blessed enough to have a large enough pot where you just take a drawdown yeah. from. I think um, that's this... really key. Sorry, Ryan, just just jump sure. in there quickly. I think it's just you know it's really key as well because I don't think I don't think many people understand um, the word DTA to begin with, double tax treaties and uh, agreements, whatever you may call them. But you know, if you go to another country, like you say, you you, you enroll in your employer pension scheme you you know if you're in switzerland you might be encouraged to take out a third pillar because that's what everybody else is doing all your friends are doing it but they may not be australians right and i think i also have the same thing you know i work specifically and, 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 and largely with us expats yes. um we we face the same problems you know the home country that you end up in doesn't like those vehicles they don't understand those vehicles they don't know what they are they don't know how to tax them and and occasionally what they do as a result of it is they they just they tax them punitively and aggressively, yes. right? Yes. Um, and I think it's really important whether you're coming, been there for a while or going, right? Um, you know, leaving a country, coming to a country, I think gaining financial advice is critical to understand how these, what seem to be pretty vanilla um, investments and pretty boring investments, i.e. company pension schemes or you know, elected pension schemes that you choose to take out in a country, yeah. how they can impact your future, because that's a big decision. And, you know, you're potentially giving up what is a massive benefit for you back home, like you've just said with your Australian super, to actually something that's not great just because everyone else is doing it or because you're being made to do it. It doesn't sound like the, the best idea. No, definitely. But we know how easy it is when, mm. you know, you land in a country, you get, um, I've obviously worked many, many years in Switzerland, but you land there, you... UBS is on the billboards when you arrive. Sure, you yeah. Watch the, you watch the Formula One, UBS is on the helmets. Um, yeah. And, you know, you set up your bank with them. Before you know it, your friend is, oh, you put money in your pension because you get X amount of tax relief. But actually, albeit for majority of people, you know, using these types of vehicles, whether it's UBS someone else or with us, mm -hmm. it is the right thing. But for some people who are pretty sure they're going to go back to Australia short term, mm -hmm. it isn't. 
and, and that's yeah. the key the key is understanding that and making sure you're you're getting well structured for, for the future the second the one you were probably referring to before i spoke about supers was as a as a effectively an international life assured vehicle now for anyone listening on the call i think it's important to highlight what that means look mm. it's effectively an investment platform so if you get investment platforms, you you know you you, you log in online and, and you have a the open architecture by nature, so you can access sure. equities, money markets, bonds, fixed and fixed deposit rates, etc. From that platform. But the big difference here is it's got a life assured wrapper. But what that means is that it's basically got a kind of death and benefit wrapper. If if you are the the sole owner of that platform, the platform dies on death of you. If you're joint, right. it dies on the death of the second person. So it pays out one hundred and one percent on death. The one percent okay. is a kind of nominal life assurance part of it. They're widely used globally. Um, you know, widely used globally in all different countries. But the big benefit here, then they are referred to as investment bonds, Tom. So it, mm. you'll know this, of course, from your own advice. But I just want to emphasize that it's not a an investment a bond, bond, like a, de yeah. a debt investment instrument. It's just the, sl the slang term for what the the vehicle's called. Mm. But the, the the reason why people use these, and the reason why, that, of course, in my webinars I promote them so heavily, is because if you had a life assured investment platform in Australia, which are again called life bonds or investment bonds in Australia, those vehicles are taxed each year at 30% on the growth you make each year on accumulation. Wow. But they're drawdown tax free, of course, because it's Australia. Sure. <laughs> However, yeah. if you if you open the a life assured investment vehicle, whilst you're in an international position, so whilst you're in a country where you've got a different passport from where you're resident, so you open it in a in a jurisdiction that doesn't have a accumulation or withholding tax at source, mm -hmm. guess what happens, Tom? You've got the accumulation, which is tax-free within the, the platform, but the ATO has a rule, and it's actually written on the Australian Tax Office website, that the link, that if you hold these vehicles for 10 years, they don't have any tax on drawdown either. So you're not wow. being taxed on the accumulation and you're not being taxed on the drawdown. Okay, so you've managed to get both best of both worlds somehow. Correct. You're basically making the most of two tax systems. Now, yeah. the most common questions I get asked on this uh, are, um, well, if I open one and move back to Australia, what happens? Nothing. You open it before you go back. You must open it before you go back. You can't open an international one whilst you're not resident of Australia. If you go back to Australia, you can hold it. You can actually withdraw from it. It's just the fact that you'd have to pay either capital gains or income tax based on the, you know, the, the withdrawals you take. It would just be the mm. same as any other foreign investment vehicle. But if you hold it for 10 years, at that point, it would be completely drawdown tax-free. The second question I get a lot, Tom, is, well, if the Australian Tax Office click on, you know, would they not just stop this? Australian Tax Office, no. Right? There's, a reason, <laughs> there's, no there's, a, there's a reason why it's written on their website. They know about it. There's nothing to click on here. The, yeah. I think the best way to put it is that it's just such a small source of revenue small such a small proportion sure. of wealth right if we know that if governments want to recoup money from from lockdowns or covid or from from financial distress what do they have you know they have you know they had tax they had inheritance tax they had pensions drawdown they had this yeah. stuff that hits social contributions that thing that affects the what you know the, the, the mass population yeah, yeah. we're talking about a very 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 small unique structure here which people use some Australians use as expats. So the likelihood of this being changed, it's been enforced. Jeff's probably the person to ask for this. He does the uh, private binding rulings for people when they come back with the ATO. But okay. the chances of this being changed are even worth the while to change is very, very slim. Mm. And I mean, that's a, that's, those two things alone, Ryan, are just incredibly powerful, right? You know, again, we go back to understanding what's available to you, what's good, what's not good. And, 
you know, a life bond, an investment bond with a life assured element to it um, could play a critical part in allowing you to build, accumulate tax free and then withdraw tax free. And again, those two vehicles must must work together really well when you come to do kind of cash flow analysis and and forecasting for withdrawals and where to take money from and, and where not to take money from, et cetera. It's exactly that. Tom. So they, they, both of them have their own attributes, but they do complement each other very well because mm. although the, the superannuation pension, of course, is, is, is key to use for people who are close to retirement because you're going to have that tax free income from 60. So let's yeah. take an example. Let's say you've got somebody who's 55. They know that anything they stack into the super, they're going to draw down tax free at 60. Yeah. But on the other side, supers are a little bit inflexible because they're a pension. You can't access it before 60, so you can't take money back out. It's sure. all an Australian dollar. The, the, the access to investments tends to be a little bit more limited and you're actually forced to take money out from 60. So you can't just leave it in there long term. Mm. When on the other side, you've got the bond, which is no cap. So you can put as much as you like. There's no cap, you know, three million, five million, you can put as much in as you like there. Um, doesn't it's not tax free till 10 years. So you wouldn't have sure. the tax for this for this gentleman or gentlewoman at 55. It would kick in at 65 with the tax-free drawdown, so you can use them yeah. both in conjunction. The other benefit of the, the, the life bond, the life short investment vehicle, is that uh, access to all major currencies, all major investments. You know, mm -hmm. you, you no cap, but you, you don't have to draw down from it. So it's you know, you've got one that's kind of inflexible, one that's flexible, but they do work very, very well together for planning. For sure. And I guess is it something that you would recommend? You know, if you've got a, a young Australian coming out, you know, I don't know, mid 30s secured a good job let's say in switzerland or europe or something is it something that you'd kind of steer them to, to towards yep. pretty quickly so they can get that 10 years under their belt as soon as possible yeah look i think it's case by case basis you know it's i don't want to say too much for um mm. for a young 30 year old starting a career in switzerland sure um, sure but yeah what you're saying is great i mean look if someone's coming out here they're, they're really driven on 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 building wealth and, and the main focus is building wealth they've not got maybe things in the way of you know, big university fees or children or another or another move to another country and buying a property, then perhaps, mm. yes, you making the most of their time in Switzerland or Europe, stacking up some money, getting that saved into, because you can save regularly into these 10-year vehicles as well. Yeah, That that can be well structured. So they go back to Shrew, perhaps to buy a property, they're going to come into this vehicle that's got 10, you know, 10 years completely yeah. tax-free on any growth and income. But yeah, yeah again, that would um, be very much a case-by-case -case basis to assess that, particularly for younger people. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Look, I think um, there's a lot to consider, right? Yes. I think when it, we talk about any nationality moving, but um, today's been about Australian expats. If you're on the call today listening to today's podcast, um, thanks for coming along. And, and hopefully some of the stuff that Ryan's been through has been of value and it's probably left you asking more questions mm. um, to, today than, than ever before. So don't be afraid to, to reach out to Ryan directly, contact us through our socials um, or go to our website uh, at uh, www.skybandwealth.com um, and, and no doubt Ryan will be in touch and, and be able to answer any questions that, that you may have. Uh, look, thanks Ryan, thanks for thanks for joining me today. You've been uh, great as always. No, thanks Tom, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure and uh, yeah, I hope to be on a, another one soon. No, perfect. Cheers Ryan, thank you. Cheers. As you will have heard there, it was great to have Ryan on the podcast today and everybody in every scenario is case by case when it comes to financial planning and especially when we start to have conversations around tax because it is also personal. 
as always, as a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only and it is never a personal recommendation. If you're unsure what's right for you, you should seek advice. Skybound Wealth Management are not tax advisors and past performance isn't a guide to the future. Investments do rise and fall in value so you could get back less than what you invest. Today is the 2nd of May 2023 and all information was correct at the time of recording. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. We really look forward to seeing you again soon and look out for that special coming hopefully in the next couple of weeks with a number of our planners telling us all about the good, the bad and the ugly when it uh, when it's time to become an expat. Thanks all.